It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome aboard the USS Future Imperfect, brought to you by the GeekCast Radio Network and VisitWeekingGeek.net. I am your Lieutenant Commander, though I really should promote myself at some point. I am Mike the Birdman, and I'm not alone as I trek through the whatever the hell we're calling plot device nebula this week. Uh, <laughs> I'm joined by my intrepid crewmates who board various positions aboard the Starship. I'm joined in the great state of Colorado. By Steve Megatron Phillips. And of course, the wilds of Michigan and the true scientist among us. Uh, Aaron Pollier, how's it going? <laughs> and my intrepid co-host from ThisWeekInGeek.net, captain of the Garbage Scow. Let's just get this done. <laughs> this be over so bad. The torture. Uh, the torture. I, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the stupid um, Wally Herbie the Robot bullshit things that are in the show they literally oh, yeah. have they literally have roger rabbit style cartoon characters repairing the ship now so if you can't guess what we're going to be talking about we are talking about the finale and the last couple episodes of star trek discovery season three which is streaming across cbs all access and various platforms around the world and well it's over for now i, I guess i know i'm gonna get this because you're going to get it for review. I'm going to get the Blu-ray to check out and I'll have to give it a second watch. And, and, and I don't think my opinion on the programming will change, but what I, I'm most interested in is if they produced any behind the scenes stuff, I want to compare what the production was like for seasons one, two, and three, because oh, yeah. there I, is clearly a feel of this being, this being so discombobulated. I want to see how they spin the behind the scenes productions on this because something, I, I don't know. I've never seen, uh, uh, like there's jumping the shark and this show was already not a favorite amongst us. And, but there is a point now where it almost feels like 12 different shows that each episode is made by, it feels like the show of the season was produced by like some Google AI. They made it watch like 300 hours or 500 hours or you know 20,000 television hours of programming and then said write a season you know i, I it's actually funny because oh, go ahead go ahead mike oh i was gonna say like we all started off with the first couple episodes of season three being fairly 
dare I say optimistic, because it felt like, okay, it's new, it's different, kind of feels like Stargate and something else. Andromeda. Andromeda, but we're like, okay, you have our attention, what are you going to do with it? And then it was like a balloon with the air let out of it going. Right after episode three, episode four, it it was like they blew, they were they're on a ship and they're going the right way. And then they blew a hole in the bottom of the ship and then sank almost immediately. Was that the junkyard episode? Oh, um, the junkyard episode. God. I think yeah. it was either, it was episode four. Was it three or four? The first episode was, um, was where we, we didn't was, uh, Burnham pretending to be drunk, which we were pissed at, but overall, it ended with the idea of, okay, well, they're going to rebuild the Federation. Um, second episode was uh, the first episode, I think, of the entire series where it didn't focus on Burnham. And, and that one was actually okay. Yeah, that was, was, that was yeah, the... Yeah, uh, okay, yeah. The third yeah, episode, was... I remember being the one I liked the most. I just don't remember what it was about. <laughs> I remember the one I notes. liked the most this season. What The one I liked the most this season was the Trill episode because i thought that character was genuinely interesting and then they kind of pissed her away the cgi was terrible with it but other than that it was episode three is people of earth where they go back to earth and nothing makes sense yeah huh yeah that's the that's the one that's the one where they uh have uh earth is unable to detect anything uh, at saturn uh because you know they've lost all their technology back to like the 16th century even though they have a giant space shield for the planet. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah and, and, and faster than light ships. And, yeah, it, it yeah. was episode four. It wasn't three. They like episode four is the trill one. I think. I, I, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, it was so early in the season. Trill, yeah. wow. Honestly, the best episode of the season was the second one where they didn't have Burnham in it at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was still bad, but I mean, yeah, yeah. it it was better. It was better than any of the other episodes. Well, I was, I was just glad to see like Saru doing something and then everybody else had something somewhat constructive and you you thought you were going to get something decent with the season, even though it took left field and you had no idea that it was going to be that bad. If they erased (laughs) Giorgio from that episode entirely, then it would have been fine. It would have been like a standard Star Trek episode almost, just having them deal with some problem that they it didn't know been, how they were going to get out of. It would have been a TNG or Stargate C episode, which would have meant that it's still the best episode <laughs> of the show. Uh, then, just as a recap, there, episode five was Die Trying, which is uh, uh, that's the where they go to the. Son of Tall. Yeah. yeah. Headquarters, and again, I think is that the one that where they introduced uh, Vance, yeah, and David Cronenberg's character, which which they both of them were great. Both of the characters are great; they're just in the wrong show. Yeah, and you know, here's the thing, guys: we we all think that like David Cronenberg is amazing in the show. What's his character's name, and what's his motivation? No, David Cronenberg doing Cronenberg thing. David Cronenberg doing doing his best impression of himself. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and that's the thing we don't know a thing about this character at all we know nothing about him and you and never he, find out when he you never find out he, when he when he does interviews or when he would film his movies in the late 80s early 90s when he went away from just being pure body horror and did some more psychological weird stuff like naked lunch and, and m butterfly and all that, when he would do interviews talk 
talking about the scripts and how it was how difficult it was to adapt things and how cerebral some of the films had become that he was making. Like I, I realized I'm like, wait, he's just he's not even acting. That's just who he is when he talks to people. <laughs> so <laughs> they cast him, they cast a director, and he's the best actor in the episode. Yeah. That which tells is sad. you something. Because something tells me he wasn't listening to the direction of the director and he just did what he would have done if he was filming somebody. Can you imagine this rookie director or whoever they are directing David Cronenberg? You don't tell David Cronenberg what to do. You'd let him does what he wants to do. <laughs> He's one of the top three directors in Canadian history. Yeah, you just um, let him go. In, in the States, I mean, there's a lot more competition. But if you're going to talk um, in the genre film category... He's in the top 10 most influential uh, uh, horror and sci-fi directors of the last 50 years. So he, he knows what he's doing. He's, he, he's a film school grad, all this sort of stuff. I, I'm trying to look up the, the director uh, of the episode. And, like, they don't even have, like, there's not even a, a link to IMDb for them. They're, they're not even, like, blue-linked. Wow. Well, that's an encouraging sign. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and here's the thing with, with David Cronenberg. The, the, one of the comparisons I made right at the end of this season is that it feels like these are, there are 13 really short TV movies produced by Roger Corman, where he's giving a random no-name director slash writer a chance to do something. And the timetable is you have to write the script in two days it needs to be produced in two days here go she that's the kind of quality that yes. we're going with the director here she's a television director that is known for directing single episodes she's never really called back to direct more than one what it's has like she done csi cyber graceland limitless person of interest elementary like broadcast tv like cheapy crappy shows uh Lethal she's Weapon, doing gotham procedural type stuff yeah, Titans uh, SWAT, uh, 13 episodes of Hawaii Five O, one of the worst cop shows on TV, <laughs> the newer one, uh, Magnum P.I. and MacGyver remakes. Uh, and her, oh, man. the only thing she has done in genre that's not a cop procedural was she did the short trek for Runaway. And Which then, one uh, was that one? Uh, that's the one where they, um, the girl that ends up being the princess or queen in the second season of discovery where they, where oh, Tilly finds her stowed away. Yeah. And they, they, they figure out, uh, she says she figures out how to recrystallize dilithium. Like when Scotty says that's impossible, like 30 years later, and he has to figure out a way of doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, Correct. Yeah. And she's so directing a pilot episode of the Clarice Silence of the Lambs TV show that premieres in a couple weeks. Well, that's <sighs> it. This, they got this person to direct one of the most famous directors in the world. Something tells me that that episode, every scene that he was in, he he probably had control over. I would, I would assume so for sure. I would, I would assume so because they were actually halfway decent. <laughs> the scenes that he was in, the camera wasn't constantly shaking and spinning. Now, there's something that I I notice, and I'm gonna jump ahead because for me for you guys this is weeks in the past for me this is but mere hours so i'm watching the final fight scene between green between the jolly green giant and the michael burnham show and they're fighting inside discovery <laughs> yeah and for some reason did 
did that look like the inside of a Resident Evil movie to anybody else? Or was that just me yes. with them fighting? Okay, yeah. I'm not nuts. Yeah, it looked like the God, inside I of a Resident show. And it, there was there was absolutely zero tension in that because you know that like, oh, she, like Burnham gets tossed into this this panel for some reason that's there of programmable matter for no reason. And the Orion woman thinks that she's dead. It's programmable matter. It would have safeguards against like people being in there. And the fact that the camera lingers on it for so long, you know, Burnham's still alive. There's no tension. Like, oh, every, although every one funny bit of that scene, those. Aaron, mm. one funny bit of that scene is when she pukes Lego. Yeah, I had like, a good laugh at that. You, why <laughs> did you breathe in Lego, you idiot? Like, yeah, I, I mean, and, and you know, what the best did you notice in that last episode? Also, is that every major scene starts with the camera either sideways or upside down, and then it rotates into right side up. Dutch tilt. Oh, God, I just there's well, and, so and there's, much about this in the line of continuity over and over and over again with it that it it removes you from any semblance of uh immersion i actually fast forwarded that section because it bored the crap out of me so mm-hmm. i i moved on to a point where you know burnham blows away the the orion orion lady and then they're like hey we're all saved she oh, was one of the, the worst parts of this season I, I hated yeah. that actress and that and that character. Like I hated the whole aspect of the Orion Syndicate thing. You know the makeup I, looked I, like I, something you would have seen out of like Lex. It looks so cheap. Like I I've thought, seen better costuming at Dragon Con. I thought the actress was okay. I can't say she was good, but I can't really say she was bad. She was probably just working as best as she could with really shitty um, writing and directing. Um, but. Honestly, there was no te- like she's she the character herself is a one dimensional mustache twirling villain that mm-hmm. there's there's really no motivation there. And then like this negotiation with Admiral Vance that happens at the you know, near the end of the, the series here. There's absolutely z- like all of a sudden she just seemingly turns a corner and becomes a good person. Like, oh, yeah, no, we'll give up slavery completely, even though in 10 years. Ex- well, yeah, well, it's, it's exactly they'll it. what they'll do it because Burnham is is the second coming of Christ and will change everybody's mind. <laughs> yeah, but but then Thanks. then it's clear that remember that there's like the lie detector hologram in there that is also agreeing that she's telling the complete truth, but she's also completely inept at uh the negotiations and decides oh you know what i don't really want this to happen anyway and continues the attack later everything about that last episode is utter utter shit even down to like the special effects like during that negotiation did you guys notice that even the fx people don't give a shit enough to show like the treaty that comes up the treaty that comes up is supposed to be like the emerald chain with the federation but they don't use the federation logo they put a starfleet logo on it no one gives a shit in this show well yeah you, like you, that you, should have been caught by continuity that was that is that is uh uh one of the 22 producers saying we've never shown the the, the federation logo nobody watching this is going to know what that looks like because nobody watching yeah, our show they, ever they watched it before no they don't want they don't want anybody that was a fan before they came in to like the show. They want they showed it in the beginning people. of the season. Even. Well, they don't remember that. No, they don't, they don't remember, remember that. And they don't think it, anybody else will. 
God, I hate this show. Um, but you fast forwarded through one of the most amazing parts of this episode. If you fast forward through the fight scene of the giant turbo lift cavern that is inside discovery, there's somebody online that I actually with math with like angles and they knew, um, determining, uh, based on people's height in each of these shots, they could figure out like the focal length of the camera mm. and therefore how large this cavern was. Yeah, and it would actually, it? It, it actually would have difficulty fitting inside of earth dock. So kilometers and kilometers and kilometers across this, and tens of kilometers happened. long. Yeah, because like I thought Discovery is like a science vessel. It's supposed to be fairly small, right? Well, it's not even that, man. It's, it's okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No well, it depends. <laughs> it, this is what happens when um, you have entire schools that pump out CGI grads over and over and over again the proliferation of how easy it is to hire people now. It used to be when TV was being made, you had about six to 10 effects houses you could use pretty much in the world. And they handled all of your special effects. And now you've got hundreds of these small companies of different quality. You don't necessarily have a, uh, a, a, the crazy thing to me is when you find some of these companies that have all these CGI farms and they're given like, you know, loose descriptions on what to do and they render it. And, and and there is a difference between a CGI artist and somebody who is a classically trained, uh, uh, like fine arts major that would normally work on a show to give proper scale proportions and realistic, uh, uh, you know, tell basically tell people how to translate uh, 3d space into art. Cause you have talented people that work at all these companies making things, but there's the bar of entry now is lower. So you get lower quality productions and only the, the really top tier, um, you know, uh, I guess like LucasArts, uh, 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 ILM, ILM, like ILM, Weta. Uh, and there's a couple of the studios still on the West Coast that are decent, but they're basically being held up doing all the superhero movies. And every tv show is now left with garbage <laughs> for the most part unless they can book time with them because it's it's mind-boggling how much they mess up scale mm-hmm. uh, in in this in this show in particular but it happens and not just this isn't the only offender it happens in a lot of other shows um part of, it, part of it is i think it's because the effects have gotten so cheap it used to be mm-hmm. that effects were so expensive and time-consuming that you kind of had to get it right or the studio wouldn't pay for it they would say that's that's not up to snuff this this image that you just dropped in there is just insane there's no way that that's bigger than the enterprise d (laughs) so in order to fit that uh giant turbo lift cavern you actually have to expand discovery out um now canonly they've already said that like discoveries about 
745, 750 meters long, um, which is far larger than a galaxy class starship. Um, but in order to fit that turbo lift cavern in, you actually have to expand Discovery out even further to almost, well, more than two and a half kilometers long in order to fit it in. And you know what it is? It's it's the the magic runway in Fast and the Furious was it six or seven. <laughs> Where, where they're chasing a plane down for what appears to be 25 minutes while it races at full speed down the runway. And somebody put uh, put the runway to scale, and it crossed half of Europe. And, <laughs> so, and you know, the, the it, other it, it's part of it, furious logic. But the other part of it is, in that same scene, we see inside the turbo lift, we see the decks of uh, Discovery. We actually see how many decks Discovery has. And it's actually reasonable size when you just look at the decks. It's comparable to, it's a little smaller than a Constitution class. So, you know, uh, I think it's 17, 18 decks tall. And Michael Burnham, when she jumps out, out into the turbo lift shaft, shaft and then free falls, you can time it. And it's four and a half seconds. And it round, it, it comes out to be like 99.5 meters which is actually one and a half constitution classes high. So she, she, it's, it's really, really dumb. And it, it seems like that's nitpicking guys. And it, and it is, the thing is, is that it breaks immersion when you're, when you're watching a show, especially one that is semi hard sci-fi, let's say that, that is star Trek. When, when you have something that is so blatantly, outside of reality where it's just magic this is magic there's no way it can fit in to this ship let alone the universe how can you i always go back to but even stargate in the silly episodes tried to root itself in some sort of logical explanation i mean at this point now i'm doing a rewatch of that show uh there's an episode where earth gets its first interstellar spaceship and uh MacGyver is upset because they wouldn't let him name it the Enterprise. And I'm thinking they should have just let him name it the Enterprise and just rename Stargate into Star Trek at that point. Because that was circa early 2000s, right around the time that uh, the Enterprise TV show was dying. And maybe we could have had Stargate just become Star Trek. Star Trek with Richard Dean Anderson would have been awesome. There's an episode where he's captured when they go back in time to 1969. Spoiler, Mike, they go back in time. Um, uh, And he's captured by the military and they think he's a Russian spy because he's got like futuristic tech. And they ask him what his name is. And he says his name is uh, James T. Kirk. And then when they grill him, he's like, no, 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 it's Luke Skywalker. So like (laughs) at that point, as silly as that is, that makes more sense. than what we're seeing here and it's it's not just like the weird special effects because i mean all throughout this season and especially in the last parts of it there's lots of really poor special effects like uh when they're in the mirror universe they go to risa um risa whenever we visit by the way yeah well that's that's a different thing i actually ran all the numbers on that i can talk about that but risa has no rings and two moons every other time we've seen risa but here in Discovery, it has rings and no moons. Like, there's no fact-checking on this. Um, set a course for RISA, Warp 9. And Warp 9 in the old scale is 
times the speed of light. And they are actually at Epsilon Indy, as they said at the beginning of the episode, and Epsilon Indy to Epsilon SETI, which is where RISA is, is 84.64 light years. This is my math. So that means if they could sustain warp nine, which is not very likely at that time, let's put it that way, when, when Enterprise, the more advanced ship, can barely sustain warp eight for a couple hours, they would have to travel for 42 days, nine hours, four minutes, and 23.7 seconds if they were able to hold that speed, but they're to Risa in less than three seconds. Well, don't forget, we're working now on Spaceballs logic. They just went ludicrous speed. And <laughs> yes, they've gone plaid. Exactly. Like we're, we're not working with people that care about logic. But, but and, and here's, here's the comparison. In this same very show, in Star Trek Discovery Season 1, they give a very specific distance, and I think it's in episode three or four. They give a very specific distance that they are away from the, uh, I think it's, is it uh, USS Glenn? And they say, okay, well, we're going to be in the shuttle and we're going to go to warp one. And you can literally sit with a stopwatch and click off because you know what warp one is. Warp one is the speed of light. And it takes exactly the amount of time that you would think it would. Like, down to the 10th of a second they come out of warp that's exactly the distance they would have traveled well, that's also season one when they thought they were making a real show and not a tax write-off well and that was also i think uh some of the original concepts and things from brian fuller before he jumped ship he, because of he, the yeah his, the first four episodes of the show were the ones he worked on um, and you can tell somebody cared. Somebody cared. Oh, no right. one cared. Oh, no one cared. And uh, they didn't. So he left. Some details have come out uh, about his non-disclosure. He's not allowed to talk about what was canceled and all all of the apparent uh, heated arguments he had with the production company. Heated, heated arguments. Um, and like he knew they were flushing the show down the tubes. So. Uh, to the point where I don't believe he's worked with um, CBS or Paramount since. Wow. I mean, I don't blame, I don't blame him. him. Yeah, if this is what's being produced for Star Trek and, and it's just shitting all over. All over I the mean, franchise. Well, and he used to write for it, too. So, I mean, he obviously cared. Now, to look at Discovery Season 3 as a whole, because we really haven't talked about the episodes per se we've talked about bits and pieces of them uh, how do i break this down looking at the overall narrative arc of the season finding out why the burn happened why the federation fell Ugh. apart why the galaxy is in such disarray as it may be what worked what failed why did it fail why did parts succeed discuss i i, I have very very um, crass descriptions as to why the show failed, but I won't discuss them because just out of being polite, but the, the show, this season of the show, taking out of account all of the behind the scenes drama, the whole idea that this season was made to fulfill contractual obligations. Uh, and that, that the only reason it even got renewed now, because they, they thought it was canceled. And that's why the show ended up, getting even worse because they gave up on any quality control they even had left uh taking out of the pandemic take that out of it 
take out the bad acting and take out all of the stuff. Uh, the show fails because it relies on a formula that they've been using since Lost with this production company, which is build a mystery in the first episode, barely, barely, barely reveal anything, and then rush to the conclusion in the last 30 minutes. And then repeat the exact same cycle for every single season. If you're going to have a show with an overarching story, design it to run multiple seasons, especially when you only have, you know, 13 to 14 episodes a season. Um, Babylon 5 had a 110 episode arc written before the show came out. They didn't know if they were going to get there. So the idea was, here's our B story, or uh, that's ultimately going to become the A story. And we're going to work towards that. We're still going to have, we have a, a series arc. Then we have our season arc. And then we have our individual episodes. Like each episode can be watched on its own without the need for, uh, unless there's like a specific two-parter, uh, without the need to have to watch in a specific order. But if you watch a whole season in order, you get a story and a conclusion or a cliffhanger for the next season. And then, you end up with this whole picture, this whole uh, grand story if you watch all five seasons. That was sort of how uh, serialized television that wasn't like a soap opera was designed and envisioned in the late 80s is when you sort of started seeing that pop up with Wise Guy uh, and some of the other syndicated TV shows started doing that when they were getting these like 100 episode orders back in the day or, or multiple season 22 episode orders. And then in the, really started around 90, 91 with the Highlander TV show and all the productions that were being made for dirt cheap in Vancouver for whatever, you know, station or, or syndication that you wanted. And that was the formula everything followed for about 10 to 15 years. And then Lost destroyed all that because they, they thought they could hotshot it. These shows are hotshotted in that we're going to sell you on a mysterious hook in the first episode and then have no idea how we're going to conclude it. Each of these shows and each of these seasons are presented as if they're trying to hook the advertisers to say, look, the audience is going to get hooked by this crazy twist or this, or this mysterious MacGuffin. And then they don't deliver because they write themselves into a corner. It's the burn. And what was the burn? Oh, a emotionally stunted, uh, developmentally disabled kid cried and the world burned. It was the, I honestly, I, when I, when I watched the episode and that was the reason I assumed that the burn was going to be for a stupid reason. I assumed that it was going to not make sense. This exceeded my expectations to the point of I was laughing. At yeah, same here. What was supposedly an emotional scene, like, oh my God, this kid, he, he, his mother died. I was laughing at how ridiculous that was. That I thought that the, like, based on the logic they built in their own universe, not saying it's logical, but I was under the assumption because everything has to do with Burnham. It has to everything has to revolve around her. I thought it was going to be the burn was created. Uh, they were going to find something stupid. Like when she was flown forward in time that, 
and she didn't even realize that like a piece of her spacesuit broke off into another time and it caused some sort of some sort of disastrous uh ripple effect that that, that would have made more sense with with all of us you know angry and bickering about it out of the way let's sort of just finish off uh these last was it four episodes we were supposed to be talking about i think because we, we did yeah five yeah because yeah the question that, that i'd pose to the floor is what failed the season i think we've covered that pretty adequately what succeeded nothing and then i, I would <laughs> argue parts of the season worked parts and I, I, ideas and concepts that weren't realized I think for me, because I have a slightly different viewpoint on that, I'm not as entrenched as you guys seem to be with it, and maybe that gives me a little bit more joyful okay, optimism. You, you have some sort of blind crush on Tilly. That's the only reason you like the show. No, actually, my favorite character, I like her a lot. My favorite character is actually Stamets. Um, I can't actually. I, I like him. Stand him. And I also, I'm starting to like uh, the... Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Trill lady. I can't remember her name. Nadira, is it? Um, I really I, like those three characters. Yeah, I, I don't know the characters' names. I don't. Stamets, I, I barely even remember the name. Yeah, and that's my problem with this season is there are individual character moments, but you're not given enough for it to shine. When we when you took Michael Burnham out of the equation for episode two, that's when this show was the strongest. Mm -hmm. When you got moments with Michelle Yeoh um, as Captain Giorgio and and Sonequa Green, occasionally you got some really good chemistry there, but it was but never consistent. Michelle Yeoh belongs on a show that's not Star Trek. She belongs on like a space pirate show. Like, and that's the thing too. I wonder how they're going to handle the Section Thirty One show. Oh, sure, can. Uh, it, it, oh, it did get it, canned. It was supposed to enter production, and it's now on hold because of COVID, or no? Because there's the new head of uh, Paramount hates it. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I wouldn't want to watch that at all. I don't want to watch a show about villains. No, well, because the whole the whole. Has, does every no, if it was more of a 24 show? type show that would be okay but yeah if you gave me spy star trek i'd be okay with that but i don't want brutality for the you, sake you know, of brutality not to mention like if it's going to be a time travel show protecting whatever you know what we've already had that show and it was called seven days in the late 90s where you just where every episode was traveling back in time up to seven days to correct issues or errors or quantum leap. We've had those shows. We don't need one where everybody's a bad person. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to watch her be cool and badass, but the thing is Giorgio works in small spits and spurts. I don't think a full hour dedicated to her would necessarily flow. Now her two episodes at the end of the season where she enters the guardian of forever. Cause okay. We brought that back for some we, reason. We, for, um, we forgot Q exists. Yeah, exactly. Although I thought it was kind of neat how they brought back the guardian, but I'm thinking 
this should have been John Delancey, but okay, yep. sure, whatever. Well, the, no, it, the Guardian it, talks it, like it's part of the queue. Yeah, I, I didn't think that the Guardian worked at all. I thought it was it was a really bad idea. It should have been a queue. Um, they try to explain why the Guardian is some uh, all all of a sudden already on the other side of the galaxy that it left because of the temporal cold war um, because they were asking him to do things. And the, the problem is, is that the guardian only worked a very specific way and he could not change the way he sent people through time. So it, he was incredibly inaccurate at sending people back in time. You might as well just use a warp capable starship to actually time travel. And it's more accurate. So there's no reason to use the Guardian of Forever except maybe as a research thing, but definitely not by the time the Temporal Cold War is being fought. So they but, basically just wanted to use it for, hey, here's a retro callback, right? Yeah, that's basically the only reason to have it there. And then then you're casting a person to play the Guardian. Okay, yeah, fine. The, the Guardian over however many millennia that it existed before Kirk ever found it. It never developed a personality. It was always this computer. But then in the, the 900 years since, it's now Carl. It looks different as a ring. Like, it's not even the same ring. Not to mention, it behaves. The way he's behaving with the newspaper and all is behaving like that episode of Voyager where Janeway went into the continuum. Mm-hmm. Like it's that's very I, Doctor Who-ish almost. You, you know, know what I mean? Like it, it, it was just like that episode where we finally got to see like our how our brains would interpret the continuum. Yeah, and now, that's basically what I saw there. And then I'm like, oh, so it, it's one of the oh, it's not. Oh, I know why they're doing this. It's because it's the only episode of the show, uh, of the original show that Kurtzman remembers. Um, because and, everyone loved. And it, it, it like shit all over the memory of that show. And that episode, that episode still makes me cry. The Guardian of Forever. Man, City on the Edge of Forever is such a good episode. I yeah. think I think I liked that only because I've never experienced that episode. And I've only known of the history. And maybe Discovery fooled me in that regard. And I'm fully willing to own that. Um, <laughs> like I said, the problem I found with this season... And but it's also a strength, in my opinion, is there were some moments where there were some good character things, but you were never given enough to, to hold on to. You're never given enough to care. And Alex has pointed this out and you guys have all pointed this out. You don't know the characters names enough. I didn't know Detmer's name until this season. We didn't understand she had PTSD fully until this season. Well, and I, I would argue that the way they wrote her, she doesn't. Yeah, no, she there's also have PTSD. She never has had PTSD. What she comes across as is just being an asshole. There's another character. Yep. Um, this happens in the last uh episode of the season where it's this uh engineer. I think she's up, she's a part of the bridge crew and she brings a bomb into the turbo shaft or the warp core and she's rescued by Wally. And you're supposed to care. And I know it's supposed to be a touching moment because oh. she's like, please don't let me die and blah, blah, blah. Well, no. I must help and, you. Well, no, that's the voice of the sphere. Okay. So, okay, fine. Yeah, so, so, please, so everybody. Oh, the please show is called Roger Rabbit. It's, it's a fucking Roger Rabbit cartoon now. Yeah. It's, and, and, and note that she walked into the detached nacelle with a chemical explosive to use against a handheld chemical explosive 
to use against a superconducting uh, superconductor that generally uses enough energy constantly to put like to to compare that little bomb as like dropping a match onto the sun it would do Let's nothing now and and she walked into the detached nacelle and then they show the and explosion that- on the nacelle like how did she walk there it's fucking detached and by the way they say they say how those those nacelles stay attached even though they're detached magnets yeah no even fucking i know magnets. that how do they work, work. Fucking i mean i mean now. that's something that i felt was a real as alex pointed out and i don't think he's wrong on this the show wants to tell you how to feel and i think that's a problem very much so with the show is because you don't develop the relationships and the connections with these characters naturally sure i've seen her on the bridge sure she does pushy button things on the on the jarvis artificial intelligence screens or whatever i don't know her name i don't care and i know it's sad when somebody's supposed to make a noble sacrifice but it doesn't mean anything if there's no name to it and this is a care this is a show that's supposed to be an ensemble cast but it's almost always the michael burnham show and again why is she invincible and having like plot armor after plot armor you can't hit her like the most she's taken is she took a knife to the leg and somehow she managed to win a fight with something clearly her physical and in the last couple episodes her her mannerisms and expressions and body language it's like she gave up on trying to be the stoic character with the pent-up energy and she even gets like there's parts of this where it feels like i'm watching a skit comedy show from the early 90s like in living color or mad tv where they're pretending to be starfleet officers like she she's almost like over exaggerating movements uh or like when she's like running it's like extending her arms farther than a human would to run to make it look like like how public access tv would do for the for the effects and just like turning her head there's a couple times where i was waiting for her to go oh hell no in the way she was behaving and talking it was like they all threw up their hands in the last three episodes and gave up trying for any only moment for her that really stood out to me this season as being somewhat connective to what i think she wanted to accomplish is when the guardian giorgio and her are standing on the planet and the guardian says well you have to walk through that door you can go whenever you want and giorgio's saying her goodbyes to her and something along the lines of you showed me a different way now you know why should we care she's a murderous genocidal freak yeah who is not the captain from the first episode of season one. Yeah. This is what I don't get is why does everybody in the show think that they're the same person? This is, is, she's clearly not. Absolutely. Yeah. She treats everyone like shit. This is literally like, could you imagine if they killed in season two or three, captain Kirk and he was replaced with the evil eyeliner Kirk and everybody was okay with it. I think yeah, that was the only scene. That was the only scene, though, where I think there was something genuine. No, but where I think they wanted to connect. 
No, but, but it's emotionally to... manipulative. It's del- no, it's deluded because mm-hmm. and, and and delusional. Like she, she, d- nobody on this crew. They've been together what like in in time of the show what like four or five months, maybe a bit longer, maybe a year. But but, but regardless, they've not known her to be anything but evil, antagonistic, willing to murder anybody, has murdered anybody, eaten people. Yep, she's eaten Kelpian. Yes, eaten the people, and they all cry when she's going to die. They're, they're it's like they have this collective delusion that they all believe it's their captain. It's like they forget the the internal logic. It's like the writers don't remember where the character has come from, and I think that's very evident as we've all discussed here. There's no continuity or there's no story notes from episode to episode. But yeah. my to finish my thought on that scene, speaking purely from an acting standpoint, that's the only point where I kind of felt something because there's something uh, Burnham says to her. She's like, all my feelings for you are real. I'm thinking, okay, sure. That's a, good scene but as we discussed there's problems with that scene because of the internal logic but um another thing i liked this season because i i'm i'm gonna try and play devil's advocate here as much as i can is like i said i saw moments where things could have been okay and we all agreed that the first couple episodes showed not promise potential but it obviously fell very, very, very short of that. So I guess in conclusion, the show started out of the gate, had a couple of good strides, and then promptly fell face first and tumbled hard. They they decided to run a marathon, and they were running like a a 3,000-meter marathon. They got about 200 meters and then diarrheaed themselves and fell down a ditch, and then crows pecked out their eyes. (laughs) Now, here is my question to the group, and then we'll close this out. How do you course correct from this? You, because you don't anymore. Because they're stuck no. in the future. They're not going to go back as far as I can tell. And even yeah, yeah. it, like, what do you do from here? I see. I, I, yeah, nothing. You've, you've had three chances, and each season is a course correction. Uh, from you know from each other the you know after the first season they course corrected after the second season they course corrected again you know no one's gonna buy another course correction or well i don't know at this point there's enough people out there that absolutely love the show that maybe they could they could turn it into you know a freaking comedy like wandavision and it would it would completely work for those people but i don't think you can fix this show stop it do not do any more get real writers that actually care stop interfering with them from the production standpoint and actually let science fiction function like it's not fucking hard you just get people that care like i don't know i've i've said before Set, you know, just pay for my room here, here. This doesn't make sense based on what we know about Star Trek. Hire the goddamn Akudas again 
and 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 make sure that they not fix the show as it is now. There's no. too Other much. Other than just, you know, a full, full hack and slash too dark and unappealing they need to uh, uh they need to do that need to uh cinematographer and the colorist everything is oversaturated it's it's like i'm it's everything is so stark and bright and hurts the eyes and they also need to do one other thing and that is slow down you don't have to have constant motion mm-hmm. Camera doesn't have to be moved. There's not a single moment where the camera doesn't move, and you don't have to have MTV 20 cuts per second. You can let a scene linger for emotional resonance. You know, maybe we would uh, see enemies and bad guys as a threat if they were on screen long enough to seem menacing without having like epileptic seizures jumping around and having the camera constantly panning in circles using as if somebody's using a PlayStation controller and just has their finger down on the right analog stick and it's constantly moving or flipping around. And it's like, Hey, cool. Look what we can do. We can flip and tear. And and, and it's like they, it's like baby's first editing suite. And, and they've just gone totally over the top on that. And it's not even like, like, style over substance it's not even stylish enough as it is it's not a good looking show i think there have been shows that are dark looking a battlestar galactica you can if you're going to do that dark sort of show where everything is sort of dimly lit maybe actually film it on film and have film grain involved game of thrones did quite well with it and some of those episodes were so dark they were even hard to see if you didn't have a good tv but you know what it had atmosphere this show has, it's like they're trying to copy that, but it doesn't have a cohesive vision or feel to it. And that's all I'm going to say. I, I think, can see that. I think Discovery, because I think it's going to get picked up again if it hasn't been already. It is. It's already I, going into production. I think they've I written hope. themselves into a very difficult corner. And here's what, like... Saru has left the ship to go help that kid rebuild his life. They've gone back to his home planet to, to be better, hopefully. The Federation is rebuilding. Discovery can spore drive around the Federation and bring people and ships to this nebula or whatever. Burnham is now the captain. Her arc as a character is now complete. You what know, do the, you do with that? One of the, You know what this... Actually, I figured it out. You know what this show looks like? It looks like a uh, vivid video porn parody in the, in the visual quality. Why don't they just turn it into a porno, have everybody wank each other off and then have a day with it. That's your season four. Thank you. Fuck you. Bye. I mean, maybe I just, I, I, okay. But, but realistically, where do they go from it? I wouldn't say that Michael has had an arc at all yet it, because there's not really been a story told at all. There's, there's been things that have happened to her. I could argue maybe that she's been kind of 
like the show wants to put her in charge, but it hasn't yet. So it's like the author and the story are disconnected from each other. Like, do you kind of get yeah, where I'm coming from, Aaron? I, no. I do, but but the thing is, is that she's always been in charge because she never listens to orders. She always she's, does she's, exactly what she wants. So she's, she's always in charge. She's perfect. And anybody who says anything wrong about it, uh, in, in within the context of the show, they're like, well, if you weren't so perfect, I'd be more mad than I already am. Ha, 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 ha. Freeze frame for the next episode. Look at, but yeah, look at like the, she, she started a war. She started a war. She mutinied. She was court-martialed correctly and, and thrown out of Starfleet. And that's just the start of her insubordination and rule-breaking and how she just goes behind everybody that's in command's back. And, and after three seasons of doing this, almost every single episode of her doing this she finally gets promoted up she fails upwards to the point of being captain of discovery but isn't that sort of isn't that kind of uh a mirror of what's what happens now a lot of times at workplaces in real life (laughs) it's true you ultimately fail upwards it's 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 Uh, definitely what kurtzman has done he has failed upwards very well so here's my predictions for a season four. Cause I think, didn't we give our predictions last time at what we thought it was going to be? Briefly. And then, and the closest we got was when I was like, I wonder if they're going to make it like, uh, like from scratch or there's going to be like Andromeda. And then it ended up being Andromeda. Here's my prediction. The crazy twist that we're going to see, uh, in, in the beginning of the next season is they're going to find a planet, um, that has a bunch of, uh, like, it's going to be a separate cell of Starfleet that broke off from the Starfleet we know. And it's not, and we're going to think it's evil at first that it's going to be like this totalitarian regime or something. They're going to meet some, the leader of Starfleet and they're going to do a genetic scan on this person, probably a female, maybe a male. And we're going to find out it's her genetic great, 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 great grandson who, and she hasn't had a kid yet. And over the course of the season, we're going to find out that it's book or whatever his name is the father. And this, this is a colony created by them uh, that somehow got sent in back in time and has now lived out the last 500 years. And it's going to be some bullshit like that. I'm going to say, and this is mostly based upon what I viewed during Picard. This is my prediction. You're going to see discovery do their own take on the Borg because Picard was exactly and people love the Borg and discovery wants to play with the greatest. Hits. Now see, well, I think Picard we, kind of destroyed the Borg and then people actually hate it. I'm the only you reason know, I'm bringing that up is because we mentioned the guardian of forever, but people well, love the well, Borg. So why would they try that trick? They're going to want to go cheap. So we're going to see Romulans. Um, now Ooh. how interesting I, and they won't do it because it would be cool. But how interesting would it be if what we saw, it, we, we they, they find these Romulans and and we find out, like, they go, they find them, blah, 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 and the leader is Eric Bana's Nero. But that doesn't, cool, doesn't make sense. doesn't have to make sense. It has to tie into a property that actually did well that Kurtzman worked on. Oh, God. Uh, you know... All right, you know, if I'm going to make a prediction, since everything seems to be happening around Earth anyway, in like a 20 light year bubble around Earth, as it is, in a gal, you know, once a once 
galaxy spanning federation that seemingly only had 300 member worlds because they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Um, since it all takes place around earth, I am going to say they're going to the federation as it's coming back together is going to have a war with a well-known, um, species that they've encountered in the past and warred with in the past. And it's not going to be one that you think of. It's going to be the Ferengi. No, because (laughs) the Ferengi, no, the Kazinti. Because they mentioned it Uh. in the and it's going to piss off everyone that is Nevin fans because they're going to write them awful. And it will be, uh, the conflict itself will be stupid and contrived. And then the solution will be barely an inconvenience to anybody. But it is George hands and sing Kumbaya. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. Like occasion character comes in Remember, and kisses like the big bad guy and then that's okay that's fine everything we're fine. we're we're at the we're, we're at the point now where kurtzman is going with well they want old star trek and i gotta go with star trek that i know and i like we're gonna have uh the the uh frank gorshin black on one side white on one side aliens come back and it's gonna be horrendous no oh dear <laughs> they, those two were the well, last so that makes complete sense that he would bring them back when they were the last two of their species. But remember, this that takes makes place sense before. That but this yeah. takes place before that. So this is it'll take place. This is what will lead into their their being the last two. Oh God! Well, folks, I think we've taken up enough of your time. Um, I'm sorry for the subspace okay, communication. Well, here we go, Michael. One final one. Okay. They're, they're finally going to do something that people have been wanting for a while. They're going to find a way to bring Shatner back, but Shatner is going to end up being one of those stupid space, uh, um, like Greek gods, and he'll he'll wear a toga and and <laughs> wear a crown, and he'll come out and overact like crazy in his fat old guy body, and uh, I'll still watch it. Oh, dude, you know what you know I want? And this who he could be? Which god? He could be Bacchus. That would totally freaking work, actually. Like he, yeah, he, they, he don't want to be smart. Drunk and overacting and like, oh, he just is swilling wine and, no, and he's, he's going to walk out. He's going to walk out and they'll be, they'll be like, Who are you? and he'll be like, I'm Mighty Zeus, and then it'll have like <laughs> dramatic pause. <laughs> if I and did have one, the giant green space hand. Yes. If I'm I did have one Captain thing, Kirk from another dimension. No, it'll be Gorn. It'll all be fights with Gorn. Sorry, Gorn I'm wedding. Done. Um, <laughs> I would love to see them fight the Tholians, but that's not going to happen. So they anyway, like we travel. We've taken up enough I'd, of your time. I'd like with to this see episode. Them fight the writers. They just bring in the writers from the last season, and and all the producers, all twenty two match, and they and they they film it. And they're they're like, oh, we're going to have you all as extras. But what they don't realize is that they actually brought in real baseball bats, and when they beat them to death. Have some Vulcaneers on, on him and have him uh, have him do the pond, on far fight. Yes. Feedback of this week in for being so negative the last several episodes, but. We, we,
bunch despite um, we, we're gonna do some different things I think down the line sort of choice episodes and there's other plenty of other shows we could watch. I just picked up the Sequest Blu-ray set that came out. People used to laugh at saying they weren't as good as TNG. Are better than 90% of sci- are, are we going to be doing yeah, like, sort of like a watch. I, I think uh, Aaron had kind of pitched the idea. So, Aaron, why don't you tell the people your idea before we get out of here? Well, the the idea was not watching an entire season of TNG, but each episode uh, of our show, each of us choose an episode from that season of TNG, like from season one for the first episode, and we talk about it. Um, and it doesn't have to be like the most amazing episode. It can be a problematic episode because, I mean, in TNG season one, there are some problematic episodes. And it's okay to talk about those, but uh, okay, yeah, right, right now dibs on conspiracy, dude. Conspiracy. I mean, there's there's a lot to talk about in that episode. Okay, so I'm, I'm calling it right now. That's my pick. Please let me keep it. <laughs> so I, I want the, na- I th- the other one. I think the one I want is the naked now. I think that's what it's called. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah, so that's the one I want to do. So do, do we really want to talk about? Should we count Farpoint or? Nah. No. Yeah. Okay. So then, I would say so we got, I would say we got stay away from Yeah. No two parters. No two parters. I would say stay away from two parters. And you know, okay, conspiracy and and naked now. That's the, those are out there. Um, I'll, I'll choose something at some point. I, I I'm not sure if I want to choose the the very problematic episode to talk about, or actually talk about uh, one of my favorites. Giant shit tar monster one. Is that what you you're afraid of? No. Oh, no, the one that is incredibly racist and sexist. Oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Let's do that one. <laughs> I mean, so, it's still better than, than what we watched. <laughs> yeah, it's and you know what it is. It's still better than any of the episodes of Discovery that I've watched this season. Oh. Or any Discovery. Period. It's Code of Honor is the episode. It's, I mean, of Honor. yeah, that's. And what's funny is, compared to a lot of TV that was out at the time, it was still more sensitive. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, folks, oh. in the 80s, they were still doing, not blackface, but there was still a lot of yellow face and red face happening a lot back then. Um, and, and, and sexism blatantly. Like, th- this was their attempt at, like, trying to address that, and they just didn't handle it well. <laughs> but so what we will talk have- about out yeah we'll figure it yes. out yes so we will have a lot to come in 2021 as we hope to bring some more not necessary not necessarily positivity but a more critical eye as as long as we're always talking we're conversing and we're looking at different viewpoints on different topics in sci-fi different franchises movies themes books authors there's a lot for us to talk about i'd love to do an episode where we actually talk about our favorite missions to space our favorite planets our favorite spatial phenomenon there's going to be a lot of things you're going to learn on this show and hopefully you will learn along with us so for This Week in Geek and the GeekCast Radio Network, this has been the USS Future Imperfect. Once again, pulling in the space stock with a lot more damage than I thought we were going to take. So until next time, from the great state of Michigan, Aaron Pollier, from the mountains of Colorado, 
Steve Megatron. From the home of downtown Elvis. Downtown Elvis? What do you call me that? Story there. <laughs> oh, no, downtown, the El- of, downtown Elvis. Oh, downtown. Yes, yes. We have, we, we, there, there is an Elvis that, that dresses up as Elvis. He has two or three different suits. And his entire day for the last 20 or 30 years has been picking up all the cigarette butts and smoking them. Um, so, so yeah, that kitchen, yeah, kitchener Elvis. Um, he, he doesn't, he doesn't ask for money. He, he, his suits are immaculately clean. He has the, the white suit. He has the blue one. Um, he has, uh, like a, it looks like a homemade wig and, uh, all he does is pick up cigarette butts. And yes, so, so downtown Elvis, Alex. <laughs> so I've been. It, it, it is more interesting watching him than it is watching Discovery. And there is the quote for the back of the box. So until next time, folks, I've been Mike the Birdman. And uh, until next time, folks, live long and prosper. Bye.